0: Hello there, and welcome to tonight's episode of Down to Sleep, the podcast of softly spoken stories to help you get a good night's rest. On tonight's episode, I will be reading to you Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. This is a late 14th century Middle English heroic romance, and the author is unknown. The title wasn't given to it until centuries later. Thank you so much for joining me. If you would like to support this podcast, if you've been finding it useful and you would like to hear more episodes, then join us at patreon.com slash down to sleep, where for a few dollars you join our sleepy book club. Every episode is extended and you get a whole bonus episode every single week with more than 50 episodes currently on the Patreon, including most recently the Lord of the Rings. So join us at patreon.com slash down to sleep. Thank you. I hope that this helps you get the sleep that you deserve tonight. Let's begin. Arthur, the greatest of Britain's kings, holds the Christmas festival at Camelot, surrounded by the celebrated knights of the round table, noble lords the most renowned under heaven, and ladies the loveliest that ever had life. This noble company celebrate the new year by a religious service, by the bestowal of gifts, and the most joyous, mirth. Lords and ladies take their seats at the table. Queen Guinevere, the grey-eyed, gaily dressed, sits at the dais, the high table or table of state, where to sat Gawain, with other worthies of the round table. Arthur, in mood as joyful as a child, his blood young and his brain wild, declares that he will not eat nor sit long at the table until some adventurous thing, some uncouth tale, some great marvel, or some encounter of arms has occurred, to mark the return of the new year. The first course was announced with cracking of trumpets, with the noise of nakers and noble pipes. Each two had dishes twelve, good beer and bright wine both. Scarcely was the first course served when another noise than that of music was heard. There rushes in at the hall door a knight of gigantic stature. "'the greatest on earth in measure high. "'He was clothed entirely in green "'and rode upon a green foal. "'Fair wavy hair fell about the shoulders of the green knight, "'and a great beard like a bush hung upon his breast. "'The knight carried no helmet, shield, or spear, "'but in one hand a holly bough, "'and in the other an axe huge and unmeet.' the edge of which was as keen as a sharp razor. Thus arrayed, the green knight enters the hall without saluting anyone. The first word that he uttered was, Where is the governor of this gang? Gladly would I see him and with himself speak reason. To the knights he cast his eye, looking for the most renowned. Much did the noble assembly marvel to see a man and a horse of such a hue, green as the grass. Even greener they seemed than green enamel on bright gold. Many marvels had they seen, but none such as this. They were afraid to answer, but sat stone-still in a dead silence, as if overpowered by sleep. Not all from fear, but some for courtesy. Then Arthur, before the high dais, salutes the green knight, bids him welcome, and entreats him to stay a while at his court. The knight says his errand is not to abide in any dwelling, but to seek the most valiant of the heroes of the round table, that he may put his courage to the proof, and thus satisfy himself as to the fame of Arthur's court. I come, he says, in peace as ye may see by this branch that I bear here. Had I come with hostile intentions? I should not have left my helmet, shield, sharp spear, and other weapons behind me. But because I desire no war, my weeds are softer. If thou be so bold as all men say, thou wilt grant me the request I am about to make. Sir, courteous knight, replies Arthur, if thou cravest battle only, here failest thou not to fight. Nay, says the green knight. I seek no fighting. Hereabout on this bench are only beardless children. Were I arrayed in arms on a high steed, no man here would be a match for me. But it is now Christmas time, and this is the new year, and I see around me many brave ones. If any be so bold in his blood that dare strike a stroke for another, I shall give him this rich axe to do with it whatever he pleases. I shall abide the first blow just as I sit, and will stand him a stroke, stiff on this floor, provided that I deal him another in return. And yet I give him respite a twelvemonth and a day. Now haste and let's see tight. Dare any herein aught say? If he astounded them at first, much more so did he after this speech. And fear held them all silent. the knight riding himself in his saddle, rolls fiercely, his red eyes about, bends his bristly green brows, and strokes his beard, awaiting a reply. But finding none that would carp with him, he exclaims, "What is this Arthur's house? The fame of which has spread through so many realms? Forsooth, the renown of the round table is overturned by the word of one man's speech." for all tremble for dread, without a blow being struck. With this he laughed so loud that Arthur blushed for very shame and waxed as wroth as the wind. I know no man, he says, that is aghast at thy great words. Give me now thy axe, and I will grant thee thy request. Arthur seizes the axe, grasps the handle, and sternly brandishes it about while the green knight, with a stern cheer and dry countenance, stroking his beard, drawing down his coat, awaits the blow. Sir Gawain, the nephew of the king, beseeches his uncle to let him undertake the encounter, and at the earnest entreaty of his nobles, Arthur consents to give Gawain the game. Sir Gawain takes possession of the axe, but before the blow is dealt, the green knight asks the name of his opponent in good faith answers the good knight gawain i am called that bids thee to this buffet whatever may befall after and at this time twelve months will take from thee another with whatever weapon thou wilt and with no white else alive by gog quoth the green knight it pleased me well that i shall receive at thy fist that which i have sought here Moreover, thou hast truly rehearsed the terms of the covenant. But thou shalt first pledge me thy word that thou wilt seek me thyself, wheresoever on earth thou believest I may be found. Fetch thee such wages as thou dealest me today before this company of doughty ones. Where should I seek thee? replies Gawain. Where is thy place? I know not thee, thy court, or thy name. I wot not where thou dwellest, but teach me thereto. Tell me how thou art called, and I shall endeavour to find thee. And that I swear thee for truth, and by my sure troth. That is enough in new year, says the groom in green. If I tell thee when I have received the tap, when thou hast smitten me, then smartly I will teach thee of my house my home, and my own name, so that thou mayest follow my track and fulfil the covenant between us. If I spend no speech, then speedest thou the better, for then mayest thou remain in thy own land and seek no further, but cease thy talking. Take now thy grim tool to thee and let us see how thou knockest. Gladly, sir, forsooth, quoth Gawain, and his axe he brandishes, The green knight adjusts himself on the ground, bends slightly his head, lays his long lovely locks over his crown, and lays bare his neck for the blow. Gawain then gripped the axe, raising it on high, let it fall quickly upon the knight's neck and severed the head from the body. The fair head fell from the neck to the earth and many turned it aside with their feet as it rolled forth. The blood burst from the body Yet the knight never faltered nor fell But boldly he started forth on stiff shanks And fiercely rushed forward Seized his head and lifted it up quickly Then he runs to his horse The bridle he catches Steps into his stirrups and strides aloft His head by the hair he holds in his hands And sits it firmly in his saddle As if no mishap had ailed him though headless he was. He turned his ugly trunk about that ugly body that bled, and holding the head in his hand he directed the face towards the dearest on the dais. The head lifted up its eyelids and looked abroad, and thus much spoke with its mouth as ye may now hear. Oak Gawain, thou be prompt to go as thou hast promised, and seek till thou find me according to thy promise made in the hearing of these knights." Get thee to the green chapel, I charge thee to fetch such a dint as thou hast dealt, to be returned on New Year's morn. As the knight of the green chapel I am known to many. Wherefore, if thou seekest, thou canst not fail to find me. Therefore come, or recreant be called. With a fierce start the reins he turns rushes out of the hall door, his head in his hand. The fire of the flint flew from the hoofs of his foal. To what kingdom he belonged knew none there, Nor knew they from whence he had come. What then? The king and Gawain there, At that green one, they laugh and grin. Though Arthur wondered much at the marvel, He let no one see that he was at all troubled about it, But full loudly thus spake to his comely queen With courteous speech. Dear Dame, Today be never dismayed, Well happens such craft at Christmas-time. I may now proceed to meet, for I cannot deny that I have witnessed a wondrous adventure this day. He looked upon Sir Gawain, and said, Now, sir, hang up thine axe, for enough has it hewn. The weapon was hung up, on high, that all might look upon it, and by true title thereof tell the wonder. Then all the knights hastened to their seats at the table, so did the king and our good knight, and they were there served with all dainties, with all manner of meat and minstrelsy. Though words were wanting when they first to seat went, now are their hands full of stern work, and the marvel affords them good subject for conversation. But a year passes full quickly and never returns. The beginning is seldom like the end wherefore this Christmas passed away and the year after and each season in turn followed after another thus winter winds round again and then Gawain thinks of his wearisome journey on all hallows day Arthur entertains right nobly the lords and ladies of his court in honour of his nephew for whom all courteous knights and lovely ladies were in great grief Nevertheless, they spoke only of mirth, and though joyless themselves made many a joke to cheer the good Sir Gawain, early on the morrow Sir Gawain, with great ceremony, is arrayed in his armour, and thus, completely equipped for his adventure, he first hears mass, and afterwards takes leave of Arthur, the knights of the round table and the lords and the ladies of the court, who kiss him and commend him to Christ. He bids them all good day, as he thought, forevermore. Very much was the warm water that poured from eyes that day. Now rides our night through the realms of England with no companion but his foal, no one to hold converse with save God alone. From Camelot in Somersetshire, he proceeds through Gloucestershire and the adjoining counties into Montgomeryshire, thence through North Wales to Hollyhead, adjoining the Isle of Anglesey, from which he passes into the very narrow peninsula of Wirral in Cheshire, where dealt but few that loved God or man. Gawain inquires after the green Knight of the green chapel, but all inhabitants declare that they have never seen any man of such hues of green. The knight thence pursues his journey by strange paths over hill and moor, Encountering on his way not only serpents, wolves, bulls, bears and boars But wood satyrs and giants Worse than all of those, however, was the sharp winter When the cold clear water shed from the clouds And froze it might fall to the earth Nearly slain with the sleet he slept in his armour More nights than enough in Naked Rocks. And that is where we close the book on tonight's episode of Down to Sleep in the Green Night. If you would like to hear the rest of this reading, then come and join us on Patreon. At patreon.com slash downtosleep. Where this episode will be twice as long. And there's a whole catalogue of other extended and bonus episodes for you to listen to and to get down to sleep with. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I will see you next Monday for another reading. Until then, good night.